I've been working on a talk this morning about the difference in the life of the man we know as Paul from who he had been before, Saul. And for this talk that I've been working on, I've been thinking about the fact that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the living life of Jesus in Paul, Saul and Paul are just not the same people anymore. That really is as, as day and night as one life and a totally different life that came after. But I've been reflecting too, not just on the power of the Holy Spirit, the living life of Jesus inside of Paul, but also what accounts for the writings of Paul, the travels, the, the dangers that Paul goes into and, and lives through. Like what accounts for his day-to-day? Like let's say it was a, a Monday, a first day of the week for Paul. What accounts for this stature that he has in the kingdom of heaven? Well, I've been thinking about the fact that I think there's a certain friendship that Paul feels with Jesus. Because it's not just the light in the sky over Damascus that changes everything. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's not just the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world. It's the fact that Paul will do anything for Jesus. It's the fact that very clearly he receives the word from Jesus himself, that when he goes into situations, whether they're threatening or sort of glorious, that he's drawing down on the relationship, everything that it means to him to know Jesus and to be conformed to Jesus, to hear that whisper in his inner ear from that friend, his savior, his God, but that man that he's come to know. So I've been thinking this morning about friendship with God. And maybe that rubs you a little bit the wrong way because we want to be in a position where as disciples of Jesus, we're less than. Where servants of God certainly were these humble little tiny people, his creation. But I think to a degree, when we start to operate out of friendship with Jesus, friendship with God, everything about all of this, we take it to heart much more deeply. I know I do. I have an affinity for him all the more as the years go by so that when I see things said or I hear things that are just not like him, it bothers me because he's my friend. I want people to know him and enjoy him like I'm coming to know him and enjoy him and I don't want anything false to get in the way. So in reflecting upon friendship with God, A couple of examples came to mind, and I just want to share them with you with not too much commentary. But I'm reminded of that king of Judah, Hezekiah. And perhaps you remember when Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrians, comes and invades Judah, and he's right outside of Jerusalem, and he's threatening, and he's throwing all these terrible words at Hezekiah and at the people on the walls of Jerusalem. Eventually, he sends in messengers who bring a letter from Sennacherib to Hezekiah, and I'll just read it to you. The letter reads, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them, the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezef, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath 
were the king of Arpad? Where are the kings of Lair, Sepharvaim, Hena, and Iva? And in 2 Kings 19, we get this gorgeous picture. I just want you to listen to this. This is so a portrait of friendship with God. Just listen. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord... Our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. And if you remember what happens in the rest of that chapter, well, there is a miraculous freeing, a miraculous victory that God gives to his friend, Hezekiah. Hezekiah, who comes humbly, I don't know if it was on parchment paper or how it was delivered to him, but he takes this letter, this mocking letter against the Lord God and then lays it out, spreads it out corner to corner and lays it before God and says, they're saying that you're nothing. Well, you're my friend, God. You're my God. And I don't like it. And so the deliverance that comes, comes out of that sort of a friendship, which, if you know me at all, you've certainly heard about this before, reminds me of one of the other great friends of God in the course of history. The wonderful George Mueller, who cared for thousands upon thousands of orphans in England a couple of centuries ago. And it was his belief that because he had a personal friendship with God, that he had been called by God to something to care for these orphans, that it was God's business to do it. And so he didn't like to ask for anything from people. He didn't want money or financial assistance or food or anything. He just wanted to trust God and lay it at his feet. So I want, to, I want you to listen. Uh, this was written in a book called George Mueller of Bristol by Arthur Pearson. Listen to this description of their friendship. George Mueller stored up reasons for God's intervention. As he came upon promises authorized declarations of, God's, of God concerning himself, names and titles he had chosen to express and reveal his true nature and will, injunctions and invitations which gave to the believer a right to pray and boldness and supplication. As he saw all these, fortified and exemplified by the instances of prevailing prayer, he laid these arguments up in memory. And then, on occasions of great need, brought them out, and listen to this, spread them before a prayer-hearing God. It is pathetically beautiful to follow this humble man of God into the secret place and there hear him pouring out his soul in these argumentative pleadings. 
as though he would so order his cause before God as to convince him that he must interpose to save his own name and word from dishonor. These were his orphans, for had he not declared himself the father of the fatherless? This was his work, for had he not called his servant to do his bidding? And what was that servant but an instrument that could neither fit itself nor use itself? Can the rod lift itself, or the saw move itself, or the hammer deal its own blow, or the sword make its own thrust? And if this were God's work, was he not bound to care for his own work? And was not all this deliberately planned and carried on for his own glory? And would he suffer his own glory to be dimmed? Had not his own word been given and confirmed by his oath, and could God allow his promise thus sworn to, to be dishonored, even the least particular? Were not the half-believing church and the unbelieving world looking on to see how the living God would stand by his own unchanging assurance, and would he supply an argument for the skeptic and the scoffer? Would he not, must he not, rather put new proofs of his faithfulness in the mouth of his saints and furnish increasing arguments wherewith to silence the caviling tongue and put to shame the hesitating disciple? Friends, George Mueller, the friend of God, has always been this example to me ever since my friend Jack Meyer first introduced me. And I'll I'll, I'll just reiterate again. It's because George Mueller, this friend of God, he stored up reasons for God's intervention. And then on those occasions of great need, he then brought them out. Just like Hezekiah, he spread them out before a prayer hearing God. And I like that out of his friendship, out of the affinity he felt for Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, he just wanted to order his cause right there before God. And, and, and to remind God, hey, God, just like Hezekiah did, I don't want to see your name dishonored. And I love that ending there. He didn't want the half-believing church. He didn't want the unbelieving world to look on and to say, well, maybe God is not true. Maybe his unchanging assurances do change. Uh, maybe there are arguments for the skeptic and the scoffer. And so I guess here's my point today, friends. I want you and I to be friends with God. I believe that Jesus came, that wonderful bearded man from Nazareth, so that we would actually, in, yes, our imagination, but by his Holy Spirit, have an image in mind of a human friend, someone we can actually listen to, someone we can talk to confidently, Someone who has gone before us at the ascension to sit on the throne of heaven so that when we talk to him, we're talking to him. And you know, it's that last part there in that writing from Pearson about George Mueller that I think I love the most. He wanted new proofs of the faithfulness of God to be in the mouth of the saints. Friends, I think the the highest point of our friendship with God, our affinity for Jesus, is that day by day, no matter what day of the week you're listening to this, not just on a Sunday, that you would be looking for, searching for, seeking after new proofs 
of how faithful he is. And not so that you can tuck those away and go to the grave with them. No. So that you can turn around and speak confidently of them as of a friend. Because I think what the half-believing church and the unbelieving world really need to see are friends of God with fresh proofs in their minds and in their hearts and pouring forth from their mouth. So let's go store up those promises. Let's go live the reality of our hope so that no one has anything to argue with anymore. It's alive and it comes from our friend. Thanks for listening.